we do not take clients for granted. We do not take the work that we do for granted. So I think putting in a hundred percent also naturally just leads into us getting much more projects as well naturally. Based on that relationship that we've already built upon, it then in some sense in the chess process strategy because you know it's kind of turned into a strategy um, that that definitely works for us in terms of bringing back clients in place. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Webflail, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the greatest failures behind the greatest webflowers. Because success often comes after learning from many failures. I'm your host, Jack Redley, a failure connoisseur, and today my guests are Asma and Nikena, founders of the Black Pepper Studio, the multidisciplinary design, ideas, and experience studio for contemporary lifestyle brands. In today's episode, we'll talk about three failures around building a portfolio, having detailed project agreements, making a solid lead generation strategy. So, embrace and learn from failure in episode 13 of Webflow with Nikana and Asma. It's an honor to have you both here. Thanks for Completely honored to be on the show. So, can you give us a little bit of background as to who you both are and how the Black Pepper Studio came to be? So I've pretty much been designing for, say, 10 years. Um, I think that was from my education in design. I've always kind of done it as a hobby and as a side project sort of thing. But um, I've always been creative. I've only known I was really creative kind of later, my adult, like early adult. I'm kind of early 20s and so I was always doing like photography I'm always doing like collage work I actually said I do not the more like photography and graphic work so like collage and photo editing and um, with my collage work I did find that there was a lot of gaps in kind of like creative direction and gaps in kind of thinking beyond just putting out graphics into the world and so that was where bigger projects and ideation came to be so it was like creative direction and then like thinking about the brand 360 experiences, not just like one graphic, one collage. That's kind of how branding started. And um, at, at the time I was going, getting into branding, I had no idea it was this big, immersive world of branding, brand experiences, website design, website development, packaging. It just almost felt like I'm ex- like extending one graphic into something much more um, immersive and much more comprehensive. And then started doing like branding work. And then the back where she just started slowly forming in. It wasn't a well thought out thing. Like I actually didn't sit down to think that, oh, we're going to start a studio. We're going to start an agency. And it was just kind of one working led to another, led to another. I started getting clients that were active for websites. And my time, Ken and I were really close friends. We'd share like, ideas together. And one of those projects just kind of led to why don't you design a website? And literally, the back where she just said, it was when we kind of came together. I'm started doing like, all our stuff like for brands together it was almost like we need to make this an actual business we need to make this an actual profitable business that we could scale on our processes and system kind of and that's kind of like the black studio came to, came to be yeah just to add to what she was saying so i mean she kind of already started doing design work you know when i met her she was already a designer you know, making stuff for different brands and I was actually just an engineer like i, I had no idea about like websites like what it was to take make one everything and I was making like a website for a product of mine, um, just because I needed to just do something in Squarespace really quickly. And I showed it to her and she was like, this is really good. Like, have you ever thought about doing websites? Here? And I, in my head, it was like, this is a joke. Like, you just compliment me because I'm your friend, right? Um, and then she had an inquiry, you know, for what, this was a branding project she was doing. And the person basically asked her whether she uh, had somebody that could do websites. And she was like, okay, why don't you try this? And I was like... You're joking, right? Like, this is somebody's money you asking me to, you know, get on board with it. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's have this conversation. That just kind of kicks out of things into thinking, why don't I even try this, you know? And then, you know, over time, I was like, you know, practice the Squarespace, but then I realized there were some limitations with it. And then from there, I discovered Webflow. And then I started, like, you know, getting a bit deeper into it. And from there, you know, just from there, like, creating for a fresh client and then going, you know, going from there. And it was just been like two friends just getting together. We had no idea. We didn't plan this at all. Just like, you know, you're, you're good at this. Why don't you try this as well? And we just meshed together. We've been the Black Pepper Studio ever since. That's a wild ride. That's crazy. It is, it is. And I think the, the the kind of amazing thing as well is because it wasn't like a really sat down uh, process or thinking, 
we've always just had to learn on the wheel, like learn on the go. So everything like we've kind of put in the place was kind of like, right, this is happening now. How do we fix it? How do we sort it out? But it's like looking back at where we started, we, we've been together at the studio for two, I think a year and a couple months. Yeah. But we've learned so much because there's two people like really skilled at what they do. But also coming in from, because Kenna is coming from an engineering experience. So he's bringing like very practical, very like, um, does this really work mood into the, the studio? And obviously, I'm very like, creative and emotional. We seeing that our design styles really merge to bring, like, to present something that we feel is very foolproof because we have two different backgrounds, two different like design experiences, design, um, expertise and inspiration but coming together to create one thing that works and serves brands and and channel our design thinking into the world yeah and it just feels really organic because before even the studio conversation that he started she wrote to just send me at work so he's like okay now what do you think about this and she used to say i have a design eye because you know i'll give like some feedback and then since then it's been what we've been doing for is that had the idea for studio is kind of hired and into but we actually started the studio together so it feels very organic but we pass each other um, like ideas and like later and know what we're thinking and like direction that we could go and where we could see things at least a bit better. So um, we were already doing this before the city and we were doing it now. So it just feels very organic and just kind of works. I've got just, you know, a very good solution to, to be honest. In terms of kind of how you start a project together then, Asma, are you doing the design stuff and then you're like, okay, we need to translate this to a website and then you both work on the wireframes together and then McKenna, you actually build it? Is that kind of how your relationship works in terms of going through the, the client process? Not necessarily. Um, so she does mostly like branding work. So all the way from logos, color, typography, packaging, design. And that's what she's fully decided. She doesn't really do any more much of website work. I do the designs and the development. Um, so we kind of see ourselves as kind of full service because we take our clients through that entire journey. So people come in and they want the full brand and what do they need? They obviously think they're local type of color. If it's a e-commerce, whether they probably need some packaging. Um, and then they start with that. And obviously they want to get online and take full. So they need the websites. And then we just kind of take it all the way from probably starting with asking first and, you know, getting their branding done. And, you know, we really translate that into the digital experience that we have. So we, that's why we see ourselves as kind of like that experiential studio that kind of walks you people doing different sides of design, right from, you know, getting your logo and your type of set right. And then walking your way into the digital world and getting that massive uh, feeling across your entire audience space. So we kind of cover that entire landscape and walking through that entire stage. That's so cool. And yeah. Asma, your um, aesthetic then, like for, for brand identities, it's really fascinating to see your work on your website. How did you develop your design aesthetic? I think it's a lot of practice um, and just observation as well. Because I've always been creative, quote unquote, even if I knew what being a creative meant. Um, and I've always just, I've always been drawn to shapes and uh, circles, especially. And I think kind of leaning more into, I've always been a big like, editorial and advert person. I always love like magazines and newspapers. I'm looking at it. So it was later when I realized I do actually like typography. Because um, kind of seeing like logos, um, especially like luxury brands, seeing how they play with words and typography and the layout as well. So a lot of my kind of creativity span from editorial and advert work and then the kind of composition of an imagery so uh, composition of a of a, an editorial so imagery color typography and then your identity that logo translated into kind of my design aesthetic and what I do now so I'm always just having like that editorial mindset but I think it's a lot of observation I'm always looking through papers I love tactile Prints. I'm, I'm a big, huge print fan. I'm always collecting print and kind of looking at how these translate into into print, into tactile form. Um, yeah, observation and experimentation. I think exploration has kind of gotten gotten me to the point I am now, being really confident because I've tried a lot of things, both like from studio, uh, client project, but also loads of like personal work. And because I used to do graphics for a really long time, I've kind of been able to build a composition eyes I almost know where things work and how things place next to each other and it's fascinating how that then translates onto the website like your studio website is one of the most creative studio websites I've seen and uh, I don't say that lightly I mean I've looked at a lot of different studio websites over the last couple of years and 
there's a lot of creative um, studio websites, but yours does feel like very unique in terms of colors, fonts, composition, and layout. So it's it's incredible how you guys have got like a kind of print editorial style, but then translated to digital. I think it's it's really really unique. Yeah. Thank you. The fascinating thing is going back to what we're saying about both our styles coming together. We are completely different, so we we kind of approach design differently. Kenna is really practical and really like pragmatic in design, and I'm more emotional. So I'm kind of a designer that I go on. How does it make me feel? Because I I thought from an art background, I think I should probably say that I really I used to be an artist. Where if I was a designer, I said when I see a lot of collage and graphic, they were they were mainly subjective artwork. They weren't for client usage. So I come from a very subjective, emotional design standpoint where you cannot come from a practical design standpoint so i think that i think that's probably one of our biggest blessings coming together is that we've been able to really balance that out and i think it's it's amazing to see because um i think it's kind of the best of both worlds really i i feel i think that's kind of what you see when you say our works is we are able to really bring those two sides together and create something that is wholesome but also humane as well but still really like it's very tangible it answers questions um, it solves problems, but also you, it's very relatable at the same time. Like, as much as Stephen says, like, you know, the, the styles are very different, I think our styles are still kind of very similar, um, maybe just different in terms of, like, the initial approaches and how we really work about it. But I think we, we kind of both started work by to our work, um, and especially, like, you know, the Renaissance work and, you know, seeing old classics as well, three type of layouts and whole edges of composition. We, we, the fundamental principles of design, we are very, very much together on that idea um we do have like maybe contrast in terms of like oh like put this here like for example like we, we do look about she was saying like put the circle here and i'm like what is the circle doing there like what's this purpose um and then we like you know find ways of like okay if, it's, if we're going to put it there then we should find a purpose there so it's there still getting that bird's side of okay it's a creative aspect but at the same time it's not being functional and just made it just two worlds where it becomes it's not just there for any reason you know, you're getting the best of those worlds. And I think that's that's where we really kind of work together in that sense of like, you know, imagine those two ideas together, basically. Yeah, and that push and pull. Isn't there a quote about design? the difference between design and art is that design solves a problem, whereas yeah, art is a reaction. It's not like you've got that. But I think that was kind of one of the biggest changes that I met in my career when I transitioned from art was art is so subjective. I mean subjective, you create things based on your emotional your feelings. But design is completely different. Um you have to always have a rationale for everything you do. You always have to kind of have your design thinking. To be honest, I think that really came because we, we used to get a lot of inquiries. And although they had seen that they, you, know, you sent them example websites and stuff, but I think that idea of just having a collective place where they can actually just do your work or, you know, like just send out websites to somebody else on the team to, to just have an idea of what they do with actually a very big limitation, especially like early on in the year when we were already kind of doing work in on the website. We knew we wanted to do it very well and, you know, present the best possible work. But obviously we did see areas where, you know, some inquiries would come in and it's like, okay, can you send me a website? Or you know, I go on your website and it's faster productive. Like I see something, like, I want to see it in a collected place. Um, it was a bit of a stumbling block in terms of getting in, you know to the final stage of closing our clients because some people wish like to be like you know I'm coming to you to build a website. I've not seen your website. I think we we did have some places where we were not able to come as fully because we didn't have a full portfolio to really show that full bread of work. And I suppose to when we we're just sending them links, but I think it's definitely we've sent a definitely massive ton since we put out the portfolio out. Um, where people can just easily see their works and how when they go on calls, they're not necessarily asking for the reference work. They're even referencing our work. Oh, well, I saw this on your website, or you did this for this brand. I want this, my website to have the same feel. So I think it's definitely a thing that, you know, um, is very important to have. And it would definitely help you in terms of like closing out perspectives. And um, yeah, it's, it's very important. And it's something that we should have probably maybe started sooner. When can I came on board and I saw how amazing it was website, the website that we had just looked absolutely rubbish. So we had to take it down because we felt like the work that we genuinely wanted to do wasn't going to reflect on the kind of website that we had. And because we also had like loads of grants project coming in, bits and bobs, and we also knew that we wanted this website to be something that really encapsulates us. We know that we're going to rush it. So we went months, almost a year actually, the website. And that period was so stressful because we had to send like PDFs, 
of our portfolio work, we have to direct clients to Instagram. But then the thing as well with like third-party platforms like Google Drives or creating the PDF portfolio or Instagram is the it's not you can't fully express yourself. You can't fully lay out or arrange projects the way that you'd like. And so it was so stressful because we almost had to kind of redo our portfolio for every single client that came in. Because there was always something to kind of tweak or there was always something. Or if a client came for a website, we felt our portfolio was too bad and let's see your packaging. We had to like reshuffle the whole thing. So it was so stressful. Um, but now with the website, it's almost like go onto our website and see what we are about. Because the website not only contains our work for clients to kind of see what we've done for other brands, but it also shows clients our style. And I think that's why that's the most important about our website. Our portfolio now is that you can go on it and see what our styles are like. So even with bad clients that I've said, I've not seen you do any work uh, in this vertical, but I've seen that your style, I've seen your eye, I've seen your design um, ideologies and I would like to work with you because we're very similar in our design style. Yeah. So what advice would you guys give to someone that's starting out? Maybe they have got requests for projects, they're doing the work, but they're also getting requests for their website and yeah. they don't have it. I mean, would you suggest not taking on projects until you have some kind of portfolio site with at least three bits of work or something? Or what would you do differently in hindsight? Um, I think first of all, in terms of like projects, you can always have a prep project inside yourself. You don't have to have like a client work out there. I mean, it would be good to have like client work, but at the same time, people just want to see, can you translate my vision? That's what every client wants to see. Um, whether it's real or not, they just want to see, oh, I like that. You did that uh, at the end of the day, because when I took a real client or not, usually we were still able to do that particular animation that they may have wanted or implemented the functionality that they, they wanted for, for some time. Um, you know, and your know, website is actually a good platform because you can actually create all of those projects for free if you have like a, an account plan and, you know, showcase that work. So I would definitely say it would be good to have the minimum viable out as much as possible. Like you don't necessarily have to have it fully built out in your head. You can just be like a place where you just post your work. You don't have to have a homepage, you contact me, whatever. People should want to see the work in a collective place. So if you could do some pet projects, put that together into one showcase, you can be your mini showcase of your work. And um, where you can see, you know, some of the work that you've done, that would be really, really, really helpful. And then, then you can actually build up to like, you know, now I want to flesh out and show my true creativity, but at least just have that start from ground first and build up yeah but i definitely think people get so emotional about their portfolio that is their baby right and people kind of redesign their portfolio every year doesn't need to be redesigned but they're just like no no no, it's not right i've got to redo it i know the advice that you're giving is just get something up and it's there but you guys didn't do that so seriously yeah i guess like effort into your website and it's such an emotional piece of work like it's not yeah. just thrown together like you've clearly put a lot of that yeah do you think I, that website should be your best piece of work no i think because we weren't starting out quote unquote like we had already started doing work so we one we had the projects to actually showcase yeah. as well and i think because we had also got into a point where we thought we had like kind of clients that we wanted to actually work so when we, at the beginning, we were still kind of taking on clients that came to us. By the moment we kind of understood our vertical, we understood our positioning, we knew that we had to create a website that would attract those clients. But I think also because we had the body of work to actually put on the website, we had the content, we had loads of content from previous projects. So we're able to kind of look at our content and build a website off of that and off of the fact that we knew the clients. So we were future facing with our website and not like in the present. So I think definitely, like, it, I think it's almost like looking at yourself at the stage that you are. Um, if you could, I mean, we, we were doing PDF portfolios with preferred class Instagram. If that could work for you in the meantime, I mean, why not? Might as well go ahead and do it if you feel like you need to put your absolute best out there. Because I'm one for start with what you have, but I'm also one for um, go as go the extra mile if you can as well so i think it's finding a balance between those two things is thinking and i I think every it's individual to every creative or every agency or every studio is thinking do i have enough to put out a really good a website a really good portfolio or if i don't can i start with what i have now why i'm obviously future facing and thinking to where i want to go all right and just to add to that i think you're, you're totally right in terms of like when you're creative for yourself, it's actually the hardest. Um, when I started designing the website, 
I remember the first two iterations I did, I didn't even show it to her because I felt like this is rubbish. Like there's no way, this is no stand for anything I'm trying to do for. Um, so and yeah, because we did, we had a discussion about it in December last year. And then I started working on the first draft in January. I didn't like it. I came back to February. I didn't like it. I was like, nope, this is not, it's not going to cut it. This is not work. I'd rather have nothing to show any of these things I'm putting together. Because I was very emotionally tied to the work. I knew the direction that we had set together to, you know, showcase the clients uh, and even showcase our body of work and what it wanted to feel. And I felt you know, it was not really working. I really had to put it off. So I wasn't going to get the advice. I'm probably really giving a bit. And then I had to come back to it a couple of months later when I was in much clearer headspace before I started, you know, it had started like um, flowing together. So, um, yeah, it can be very hard because you're doing it for yourself and you know the ideas and the vision and you're trying to take it. And even when you're even doing it, at the same time, you want to put your best foot forward. Um, because I was really guilty about that, especially when I was developing the website and it was still some areas that were kind of like, oh, no, actually, I don't like that. But I think you don't have to get to the point of perfection because I know, like, there's, there's many things that, like, I could still improve on our website. And I was even saying, so actually, next year, we're going to change that project's page. You know, that, that's what I was saying. So it's like, you know, there's areas that you can improve and there will always be areas where you improve. But what can you put out right now that would work for you? And right now, when, when I got to a place where I thought, this works for me, this translates some of the ideas I'm trying to showcase to the prospective clients or we should chase ourselves because again we're not just designing for the clients we're designing for ourselves to really like this is the embodiment of the work that we try and create when we got to a place where it felt this is this is nearer to it you know it was it was uh, when you get to that place and it's, it's best to be to just you know go ahead from there whereas as well like letting it out into the world actually you learn from that because with our website when we put it on when we actually started sending it to real life people not not as a testing this time i think you can keep testing for ages but we actually let go and put it out in the world we actually started seeing some use cases that may not necessarily fit or some things that we wanted to change but that was only possible because the website was out it, there's almost like a freedom that comes when you let it go and then you can kind of learn bite size as opposed to turning everything upside down or changing the whole thing so i think yeah definitely letting it go can actually really be a good thing because there's always you 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 act you you can always improve on anything anyway. Agreed. I definitely resonate with the fact that you know you are looking at it with a critical eye while you're doing it, and you're just like, oh, I want this to be perfect. But at the same time, you need to put something out. So there's this kind of push and pull. But also the fact that once it's live, it's live. At least it's out there, and now you can you know iterate upon that when when the time's right. Can I just circle back to something that you said, um, Asma, that working out where you are as a creative, what your focus should be in terms of um, the website, should you be making the most beautiful portfolio piece? Do you have enough work to be able to even do that, etc.? One thing that you said there was knowing who your clients are. You know your brand positioning. You know who you want to attract. And as a result, you decided to put a lot of effort into the website because that is your showpiece. So... How did you know who your clients were? How did you know it was contemporary lifestyle brands? Um, so it was almost a no-brainer that I started working in kind of working with brands in lifestyle. But then when we started the breakfast year together as well, some of the brands that were already on board for brand identity naturally pivoted into website. And so we found that uh, kind of looking at our mood boards and aesthetics, we also turned out it can also really like working with lifestyle brands as well and so when we looked at our skills our experiences and our passion it literally just fits into contemporary lifestyle i just wanted to add to that is the case of like at the same time once you're a designer i think some people do get locked, locked up in the idea of you know the clients are always choosing you i think sometimes we have to remember yourself you're also choosing to take on this project so it's really about what am I inspired by? Would doing this work actually make me feel like I'm really connected? Um, so you also need to be very connected to what to produce the best possible work. It's almost like, you know, if you're, you've never played basketball before, there's a less chance that you just, you know, walk into a court and just want to be trying to hoop something so passionate about it. So you're almost choosing, like, I want to go, go to this particular place. I want to take on this particular client because I am much more involved in this work. I'm more passionate about this work. So already identifying the things that you're always passionate about. I mean, you know, I really looked up and really liked how editorial felt. So I always knew that when somebody comes to me and wants that kind of editorial layout type of idea, this is the kind of work that I want to do, um, you know, and 
be able to express ourselves rather than feeling very constricted by, you know, just put this hero banner here and put it A, B, and C here. It's not the kind of work that we're connected to. So we know we won't possibly provide the best possible work. So because we only understand ourselves and, and things that we're inspired by, the things that we want to create, we can't choose or navigate towards that vertical in, our, in some sense. But kind of, I also say that we've been kind of fortunate to have you know, lots of inquiries that already fit into that space already. Um, so it's already made us feel like, okay, yeah, this is coming in. I like the way this type of work. And, you know, this is this has made me solidify the idea that I really want to be the space as opposed to something else. I love what you just said there, that clients don't just choose you, you choose clients. And that, you know, coming off what Asma said as well, this kind of trifecta of skills, experience, and passion, it sounds like just a very, very natural fit. Because I think a lot of young designers and web flowers me included you know you look at uh, a niche that's like lawyers dentists you know like i see so many people that are like i'm a construction web flower or whatever and it sounds like a very very natural fit for you guys to choose the clients that you have but also that those clients are naturally choosing you and there's that symmetry there so kudos to you guys so let's get on to um, failure number two, then not having detailed project agreements that protected us from project mismanagement. Mm-hmm. Who wants to take this one? Ooh. <laughs> I, think, I think it's kind of everything that we've said because I, I, the Black Watch Studio kind of started out me just doing things that I love, like coming from that arts side and knowing that I wanted to make money from things that I like doing. When it wasn't necessarily a studio, it wasn't necessarily like a business. So it was just kind of, I'd say like it was like a freelancing phase. We had a freelancing phase for a bit. Uh, where we were still kind of figuring out if it's something that we wanted to do, could we even do it? Um, and I, I think we had, I had like a, I was in like consultancy jobs part-time for luxury brands. And Ken, I was also doing, getting this handled on a couple of things. So we were like 100% Black Apple Studio then. And so we did I genuinely have time for agreement. We didn't have time for processes or systems. And so clients just came in, we would type a new voice, sent to them, and get me, it was a lot of mess. Honestly, it was just a, a spiral, downward spiral of complete messes. And the, I think the incredible thing about that phase was we learned drastically from every single project. So we would learn from project A and put all that learning into project B. And literally what, what, what actually happens without even knowing that we were creating agreements or project scopes, because we had learned from project A, everything that we've learned, we put it into like a form or like a type it out for project B. And slowly we're actually building, we were actually building our agreements up until the point where we had projects that really hit us up. We, we, I'm still working with bigger clients as well. As I said, it was NDAs. And we also knew we had to get structures in place. Shannon said we're no longer term project. And we knew that we had to get some kind of formality housekeeping in place to keep everyone sane throughout the project. But the biggest, the, the biggest, the failure that in that phase was mental, like our mental health was in a really bad place. Because you get clients that come to say, um, can I have this deliverable? Because there wasn't any agreement that sort of said, this is X, Y, Z deliverable you're having. We had to always struggle with. Do we have to give the client our reputation, the fee? It was just, it was a lot of thinking and a lot of, mental health strain that we had that period um and i think we we definitely can never take on any project no matter how we need to without a full project agreement so our agreement now is full proving that we learned from a past project and whatever it is that we we did wrong or whatever it is that went well we reflect it in the next project's agreement so our agreement is ever changing and adaptable as we go along as we learn as a business and i think that really helps us because we know that we're not just putting some legal jargon with was actually real life because we're also talking to like real life clients as well it's nice that there's an agreement that fits both the client and both ourselves yeah and i think just out to that it's one of those things where to be honest you never really foolproof because i mean that's the idea you go to one law firm but then there's a loophole that they're not aware of and you have to go to a bigger law firm because they've experienced this kind of thing so again kind of walking through your own journey as a freelancer or an agency or studio you're going to be learning different things um and you, and you pick up that and transfer that to the next project. So I think it's definitely one of those transferable lettings or transferable failures that, you know, you have to evolve for time because new projects, you have different personalities, different ideas of how clients want to work. So you until you just step into this particular industry or particular 
um, vertical, you will necessarily know. For example, it can be like a client from a different country, and maybe they have different ways or different laws that you know guide them. Possibly, so it's like you are going to be learning with each, each particular person, and you know adapting your your, your situation to that. So, when you guys are talking about agreements, then are you talking about here's the contract, then here's the project? scope here's the deliverables here's when we get them to you i mean how would you say i was a luxury brand and i was coming to you right now today what would be the process be for that work to get done yeah we we see an agreement because we tried to make it um feel personable because what we learned i was saying about being gold we actually went poor legal um but we realized we used to love jargon that even we didn't understand and we had a legal personnel but at the end of the day, we had clients coming back to, we spent ages on, on just filling up contracts because clients come back and what's this, what does this cost me? What does that cost me? But the worst kind of thing was that a lot of those contracts wasn't, weren't actually foolproof for us, for our services. So we kind of shoot back the whole thing and looked at all our learning and created like a legal agreement. So it's basically an agreement that we put before the clients and before ourselves. So our agreement actually both ways. Expectations from the designer, expectations from the client as well. So it's not wasn't it's wasn't only it's, our argument is not only client facing. It's things that we've also led that we would like to order ourselves to see in front of the client. And we put all of that in an agreement and we send to the client and say, "This is an agreement binding project. Sign it, acknowledge it, and we can only go for the project once both parties have agreed to go ahead with the project." At the same time, uh, it, it is very difficult legal but i think what we mean is we stripped it down from what are the things that are not necessarily applicable and making it very simple for everyone to be very cohesive and understand what is actually inside of the agreement and we, the way we say this more is we included things that are really protecting us and protecting our clients at the same time so we include things like you know how many number of additions so you know you know the stated in there that you know for example if you go up or abnc you know there's a charge for that or you know who wants the, the rights to work and all of those things that is very clear um, so that is not just a, in a black hole when, for example, we want to actually, like, do we have the right to showcase your, the work on, on our portfolio? So we just think that it's very clear for the for both parties to understand who gets what, you know, how, how is this going to work in the future? Um, so it's still, it still covers the whole legal ground because, of course, it's, all, it's a legal document and we follow the legal procedures. But I think what we mean is we shut it down to what is really applicable, what are those nuances that, you know, come in um, on the day-to-day basis that you want to know about and we also want to protect ourselves about and making it very simple for it to be, um, very personable and relatable to our business and um, the client's work as well. Okay, then. So the most important things for any young freelancer to have in an agreement are, can I showcase this work? Yes. And then the other thing that you talked about there was making sure that everyone is clear about the deliverables, about how many revisions you can have. What does a revision even mean? Like, you know, things like that. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. 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 We we strip it down to milestones as well. We have all our milestones. We have fee covering milestones. We have timeline covering milestones. So it gets very neat to greasy so that everyone fully understands. But yeah, our only goals would be portfolio rights, timeline, revisions, fees. And for anyone that's watching as well, I mean, in terms of the kind of milestones that you're talking about there, do you take... 25% 25% up front, 25% in the middle, 50% at the end, or do you do you kind of take payments throughout the project and get things signed off along the way so that you don't return to them? Is that is that what you're saying? Yes, the, the latter. That's it, yeah. So we sign off. We wouldn't go on to milestone two if milestone one isn't signed off. Because again, part of what we learned not having an agreement, we used to have projects that one would jump with the whole way in. So now yeah. we, we wouldn't get on to milestone two if milestone one isn't signed off and the allocated fee is paid. And then we'll go to I've only just started doing this recently and I wish I knew about this earlier that if someone agrees with the brand identity and then you go to the wireframes and then you go to the website that you can't go back to any of the previous processes like yeah. actually getting the client to sign off as in write their signature mm-hmm. and say this is done and I am happy with it we can move on has been a big a big learning for me as well. So, um, yeah, appreciate you guys sharing that. I definitely think this is one that is really, really helpful and important. Tell me about failure three, not having a lead generation strategy to avoid the feast or famine cycle. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, again, this kind of starting out on Blockbuster Studio, it was, we had a lot of referrals. It almost felt like things were naturally working for the studio. We were busy. We were doing work that we loved. We didn't think about what happens when this world dries up. And so we were in that bubble of, yeah, we're a studio, we're growing. We're, and honestly, it, it literally just dried up completely. And we're like, wait, what do we do now? Like, where do we go from here? And I was, we, we said, we sat chill and realized there was this whole gen strategy. There was this whole like client um, marketing. Because so, we, we actually never did any marketing. And because we didn't have a website as well, it was, it wasn't even easy doing marketing. So we actually didn't do any marketing for the first couple of months. It was all like referrals, um, people that we had known personally in like personal life and like past job, past work that we've done. So yeah, it was, it was a huge, um, dip in the business because we had, we had just, um, kind of evolved into a studio where we had no clients. And I think we also went up, but in that, uh, deep hole as well because we had also then realized our position and we also then realized we're very set on the clients that we wanted to work with so all the clients that we had already worked with were not necessarily clients that we wanted to continue working with so we were getting a number of referrals but there were referrals that kind of fit into our future facing studio so it was having to re-strategize to find the clients I wanted to work with but it was also really learning the very hard way that you always need to put lead generation in place even if you are your max always have your strategies to attract new clients every single time you're better overbooked than underbooked um i think the proper time management proper project management you can scale up projects a couple months ahead of you as opposed to waiting until you're done and then trying to look for clients all the time so can you give us a high level overview of your lead generation strategy then i mean do you have i don't know a referral scheme and uh, i'm going to post on twitter every day or I'll, like can you give us a little bit of an idea about your lead generation strategy all right i think the first part is we try as much as possible to know that never to forget showcasing the work because at the end of the day it's the work that speaks for you um so we try to remember as much as possible that yeah yes we're done with the website and we don't you know having that relationship with a particular client but it doesn't stop there. You know, one of the ways in which we can create really short work that we've done based on the experience that we've had and I'm putting out the work in other, in other platforms as well we can, can stop because um, a lot of the, um, a good amount of stuff did come from, you know, putting our work out on awards and winning some awards. So definitely having the work out there where people can organically themselves, you know, streamline and find you is really important. So I think definitely, I think the, the best possible thing is as much as possible, what are the avenues I can channel um, this creative work that doesn't stay in my bubble between me and that particular client where it becomes a thing where the outside world can see it. So whether it be by Instagram, Twitter, putting it on um, different platforms and you know, just showcasing your design because you know people are always interested to look at things and you, you never know who's looking. So yeah, as much as possible, put out the work. So I, I would say in summary, that really is the idea of lead generation. Showcase your work. Like, yes, you've done it, but showcase it because you've done it, but it's, 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 it's that's a particular client's world and where it's only about their customers coming to the website, but people want to see that, oh, you did this. You're the one that designed the Apple website. Now people know who you are, and they definitely want you to make their website. So you need to showcase that website uh, or brand identity and packaging that you've done and put it out there to the world to see. Uh, I think uh, the studio is pretty much run on, i say, 90% of referrals, if I'm correct, our statistics. So we run a lot of referrals. Um, yes, we are referral rates really heavy. Um, so we make sure that we are also doing passionate work and we're giving our 100% every project because we know every client is a potential of work for us, yeah. the potential mouthpiece for the studio, actually. We're very happy that we have a very high referral rate. I think that speaks to the kind of work that we do. But we also always make sure we check in with clients every couple months. So we have a timeline in place. We check in with clients to see how they're getting on the website, and they get to know with the identity. We ask for testimonials from clients. Um, we check in. We, we do. We started doing a thing where we ask clients for birthdays, and we, we say happy so brand birthdays. So happy brand birthday on on their brand's birthday. So like, checking in with clients, we realize keeps keeps us top of mind. Um, but also lets like clients know that we care about their brand and not just it's, it's not just a monetary 
um, point of view. Like we are very passionate about the brands that we work with because we kind of define the brand we want to work with. So that also shows we do not take clients for granted. We do not take the work that we do for granted. So I think putting in a hundred percent also naturally just leads into us getting much more projects as well naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also can be work. That also is a strategy as well because it comes with work. It comes with putting in the work, but also checking in with clients every now and then, every often, um, and also making sure that um, we keep the clients that we work with close because they're already they're already in the door. So we keep them close. We keep like keep everyone quite close knit. So in that way, we're always top of mind. To be honest, to shout out, I think it's it's become. I think we don't necessarily think about that particular aspect as necessarily a strategy, but more like a relationship that we've already built upon. Because like I said, we're very passionate about the work that we do. So naturally, we really have that relationship. But So it's like, you know, based on that relationship that we've already built upon, it then, in some sense, you know, transforms the strategy. Because, you know, if I did a website for you, Jack, like uh, we, we're friends that we talk every day, you're most likely to be like, you know, all your, your other friends, you know, as, as a website they want to packaging you almost like you say oh i have this couple of guys that are really cool you know get on board so because we really have that kind of close relationship that we built upon it's kind of turned into a strategy um that that definitely works for us in terms of bringing back and also the fact that you know if you just use the word friends there like you know if you're treating them like you want to be treated you bring them joy happiness from their website and work they're gonna want to give their friends that same experience that you've given them and as a result it makes a lot of sense to to kind of stay on top of that let's get into the quick fire community questions i got some sent some questions from people so what is success for black pepper studio where do you guys want to get to that's a difficult one yeah. um, that's actually I think it's something that we're still kind of discussing in-house as well, oh, yeah, kind sorry. of realizing what is the dream for the Black mm-hmm. Pepper Studio. I think at the moment we're just kind of, we understand where we want to go and we, we're on the, we're, we're being patient enough to take it each day as it comes. Yeah. But the, the big dream, I mean, kind of um, kind of what we've discussed, I can put that out, is um, being renowned in the creative, in the contemporary lifestyle space. Um, getting to the big luxury fashion houses, the Gucci's if you're watching, the Louis Vuitton if you're watching. <laughs> but yeah, we, we want to create experiences and I think that's kind of where the future, where we're going. We we call ourselves experiences because we believe that websites, brand identities are not just assets. There should be a bit to pivot of branding to an experiential world. Yeah. And so future facing is about creating experiences and ideas that can leave out on your own without even creating design assets. So we want to be able to encapsulate brands in a way that a brand doesn't feel like a logo, but a brand feels like an immersive 360 yeah. experience, an immersive 360 idea, and an immersive 360 like encapsulates the, the audience, the consumer, the viewers. We're really passionate about the experience side. And I think that's something that we'll be seeing getting blown now. Just to add to that, I think a very good example, and uh, it is short, uh, I was pursued in any of these, and we get into websites and understanding websites in general. Um, there's a particular brand called Moy. Um, they typically, I mean, they, they sell a lot of furniture work and all of that, but a lot of times they, they commission the website developers to build experiences for the brand and just you know, have creativity to showcase their products. I think that's one idea of a place that we definitely want to get to where you don't necessarily, necessarily even pay enough to just build a website so that you can sell your product, but you really trust our creativity and you want us to build new creative experiences for your customers to get a mask in. Um, and, and that idea of creating new experiences, full program experiences is where we really want to get to where people really trust us as you know creative top leaders um as opposed to people who just you know build this website so i can sell to clients but i trust this guy to be creative so go ahead and create what you want to and we trust your your vision or what you're going to create that's definitely it i'm glad that you guys have managed to answer that question because that's yeah. a really hard question yeah. like yeah. create immersive creative experience i love that um if you wish you knew um, one thing about starting out with Webflow when you started, what would it be? I'm really starting that. <laughs> um, I think e-commerce. E-commerce. I, I wish I knew like some of the limitations that are in place for e-commerce because we do get a lot of e-commerce queries. We are all very digital age where people want to sell stuff, and there's some limitations with Webflow e-commerce that sometimes you can overpromise and realize it. You don't necessarily have the capabilities of the tool to really deliver on that. That was, I think that was one very parent area that I was, you know, having to learn as I went along. That okay, you can't really necessarily do that. 
especially from the e-commerce aspect and having to provide some other solutions to, you know, deliver certain um, things that the clients wanted. How do you guys deal with imposter syndrome? This is a question that keeps coming up. You just do it on a daily basis. There, there's no medicine for it, just on a daily basis. Um, and in some sense, just trusting a bit more in yourself and believing that, like, you know, the work that you're doing um, has has a purpose and, you know, believing in that and just try as much as possible to surround yourself with, with positivity from the work that you've done in the past and, you know, the few good successes that you've had and, you know, kind of motivating yourself. And it's very good at, as well to have a partner where you can also, you know, talk through this this imposter syndrome and they can remind you of certain things as well. And I think that's that's one thing that we do cherish in our relationship as the Black Pussy do because we are already best friends. So, you know, having a journey like, oh, okay, I don't I feel like you're now creating nonsense right now and you know, having somebody out there to remind you of like some of the things that you've built and stuff and just can really help elevate you that. So I think it's something that you would definitely deal with. I'm not sure that it really goes away. I mean, if somebody has that fully gone away, then that's wonderful. But I think even to now, sitting right here, we deal with that on a daily basis and we just take one day after another and, and trust in ourselves and get it back into that big thing, trust in the game. Yeah, for sure. I think what can I say that having a trusted person goes a long way. So it could even be um, a friend or a family member that you really trust and kind of can be a new rock to how great that you are. Um, I think would would take you so far because de- designing and working for yourself can get really lonely and uh, when if you don't have anyone that you know can can kind of be like a springboard, you get really deep into it, and you kind of even you could lose everything. But I also wanted to add that it's okay to to log off. It's okay to take a break. It's okay to not look at Twitter or Instagram. Um, I find that a lot of times that I've been processing is from seeing other people's work and wishing that I don't work like that or wishing that I plans like that, and I I'll just log off or, or I'll take a break from social. Um, and a lot of times when I take a break from social, I work on client project or work on personal projects as well just to kind of reinforce that I'm good at this and I'm in a place that I'm supposed to be so I know it sounds really cliche but take time off if those doubts are really creeping in to the point that you can't manage especially when it comes from love that advice what projects are you currently working on that are really exciting can you share that uh, I mean, we're working on some very very exciting yeah and uh, I mean all I can just say is the ones that you don't necessarily even dream of and they just come in and it's like, oh, wait, I, I didn't even necessarily think about this. And it just comes in and it's like, this is such a great fit and such a great solution um, that I'm creating here, having to partner with some, with some creatives that are you know really, really wonderful as well. And it's just like, this is very exciting. But I think I'll just say, you know, watch out of the space, watch out the, towards the end of the year and the beginning of next year for the work that we're going to put out, I think. There's some very, very great work out there that is going. We're incredible people. So I think yeah. if we can give a little hint, we're, we're so our most some of our excited projects now are actually with other creatives. Yeah. So some really incredible people. I think that's why you're making more exciting because yeah. we're we're really like working with people with such great ideas that we we have the honor to bring to life. Yeah. Mm, interesting. I'm I'm very intrigued. Yeah. Are there any? creatives that you guys look up to that maybe me and any other one any other people watching right now should should know about but maybe don't i mean i'm pretty sure that the names people already know them to be honest um personally for me um arisai bonoa um is one definite person nicola miranda is obviously a very great person as well victor walk is another person that is amazing in the space as well so yeah i've been, been keen to what they're doing and also letting them couple of things from them because it's very important to get inspired and um, watch what other people are doing because that's the only way you get better so uh, those for me will be the names I can say off the top of my head right now but I think definitely Iris Renoir and Nicola Miranda are my two biggest inspirations at the moment yeah awesome do you have any? Um, yeah I was going to say Mark Wash as well because we you know we're really experiential so we, we we find that a lot of the creatives that we tend to gravitate towards are people creatives designing experiences and Mark Wash Studio as well. Um and also it shouts out to Shini Park um from Cubicle Studio because um I, I, we love a lot of editorial work and I think for me personally that was one creative that really um exposed me into how experiential editorial work could actually get. Awesome guys. Thank you for sharing this. So before I ask you the final question, where should people 
reach out to you. So we're on Twitter. Um, I'm just going to pull this Jinky Studio on Instagram as well. So it's C H E dot Black Pepper Studio. And um, our website, so our website is theblackpepperstudio.com, and that has all our, so www.theblackpepperstudio.com, and that has all our contacts, like uh, Twitter, Instagram, and we can also, we're very happy to receive emails as well, because I think emails are really personal. Um, so I'm asthma at theblackpepperstudio.com, and the Kenna at theblackpepperstudio.com. Great. Are you guys ready for your final question? Yes. <laughs> so this is a little bit harder. What is your next failure going to be? I think it might be a case where you're compromising your values. So, I mean, some of the things that we mentioned here today and forgetting that, for example, when you feel like, okay, I mean, so for example, you can never really predict the future. So for example, if we do have a talent, the downtime incentive, like client work and everything, and anything predict that we know, then let's just be aligned with it. That could be an area where, you know, and let's say, for example, we take it on and the product doesn't necessarily go really well um, because we're already aware of all of these things that we, we don't necessarily fit into that role. Uh, so that could be an avenue where the potential failure could occur, but um, that could be the potential area where, you know, you're just taking a work because you just want to take that work on for monetary sake, for example, um, as opposed to what you're really truly passionate about and what you're truly aligned with it. This really fits into the ethos and the values of the Black Presidio. Uh, that could be in one area. But I also think expanding the studio as well. Yeah. I mean, we we, we, we recognise the need to expand the studio, but I think we're, all, we're quote unquote, too busy to expand the studio. Yeah. So it's all just like because we need the we need more hands but we also don't have the time to properly recruit and figure out um our next steps and then also oh, oh, already see how that's kind of biting us thanks for listening to episode 13 of webflow with nikena and asthma the part of this interview that particularly struck me is when nikena and asthma spoke about finding the perfect triangle between skills experience and passion This seems to be the key to having a fulfilled creative career. And rather than focusing on the relationship between these three factors, people often focus their creative career on getting high-paying clients in industries they probably don't care about. I recommend thinking carefully about what skills you have, your experience, and notice what activities you do that gets you into a flow state that you're truly passionate about. This will help you stay energized throughout your career. If you want inspiration, business advice, and Webflow jobs direct to your inbox, sign up for the Webflow Roundup at webflow.com. This is a weekly newsletter designed for you to take your Webflow freelancing to the next level. I hope it helps. Until next week, Webflaters. <laughs>